again, everyone. Welcome to episode 82 of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Travis, and that guy over there, that's Alex. Hey, Alex. Yo. Yo. You always come in like Rocky. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, uh, I can't do it. I can't do <laughs> But anyway, how's it going? Hi, how are you? Tell me, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is Alex. Who is your daddy, be... and what does he do? <laughs> Alex pretending to be human is uh, is awkward. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> how are you today, friend? Uh, no, I'm good, man. To be... Right on. <laughs> I'm solid, man. I'm, solid. Um, yeah, dude. I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty okay, good. Okay, you're pretty not liquid. Good. That's good. All right. Not so liquid. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, well, I mean, is there anything going on that you want to talk about? Like, uh, how how's the weather? Oh, we always do this how, part how, about the one. Uh, <laughs> it's nicer. It's nice. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something to chew on here. Uh, I oh, did yeah. I did go see Limp Biscuit, and you gave me a hard time. Oh, and, and oh. I deserved it, but it was still pretty fun. Okay, it was still pretty fun. So, what made it fun? Was it the fourteen dollar beer prices? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> beer was eight dollars. You know, Not bad. Oh, okay, yeah, wasn't yeah. bad. That's. That's cheaper than what you'd get at a stadium for a football game, or, or oh, even for sure, yeah, at most baseball games and stuff like that. So yeah, and this that's was reasonable. A, this was a local pint full of beer, not just not just a wow. little can okay. of Bud Light. That's even you know? better. It was not a it's bad not deal. Like Bud Light, right? Exactly. Yeah, some local stuff. Uh, no, it was. You know, here's the thing: if you were 14 years old and you you shot basketball, listening to Limp Biscuit <laughs> out on the hardtop with your boys. Uh, there's a there's a little there's a 14 year old kid deep down inside of you that gets real excited to hear break stuff, and uh, I gotta say, man, a biscuit, they sound just as good slash bad live as they do on their albums. They're very faithful to their brand. <laughs> they don't deviate from the uh, recipe at all. So you get what you get, and uh, they're just you know they're just out there trying to have fun, which was fun to watch. So uh, that's the vibe you got is like they're they're just guys that are just out there just like hey here's Limp Biscuit here's what we're doing here's what we are that's that's kind of cool to hear actually because uh, I can remember a time when uh uh a one Fred Durst was talking about uh hey man we're 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 uh we're talking about uh uh. We're we're mindful of our place in rock history or something like that. Like that was the kind of shit he he was uh, talking about. So uh, it was like, uh, yeah, uh, they might have. You might want to Google. You might want to Google the band Poison. <laughs> See what happened to them. I like how that's where you went. You're. Uh. you're <laughs> I don't know where else to go. It was funny because I saw uh, Poison live not long ago, and there was a bigger <laughs> crowd for Limp Biscuit. I will say that, but. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's I, I interesting, th- really. It was a bigger crowd? Uh, than Poison? Yeah, but I saw Poison in, like, a weird casino in the mountains, so, um, it, okay. it felt like people were trying to watch Poison and not let anyone know about it, was the vibe I got <laughs> from that. But to be fair, uh, no one was bragging about seeing Limp Biscuit either. Me and a buddy went, we thought it would be, you know, we thought it'd be kind of fun, and, uh, yeah. it was. Well, they, it's, like... Uh, to to uh, like to anybody that wants to jump down Trav's throat, you t- said uh, in the chat. I don't remember if it was in the chat or to me, but you said like, "Hey, this is uh, this would be be a good story. This would be good people watching. This would be oh, a yeah, good experience." It was great. 
It was so, so good, yeah, man. it's perfect for that. Like, I don't hundred percent that. Well, th- there's a couple other observations. The first one is the biscuit. I think is, and I keep calling him the biscuit as if we're on a. <laughs> you sound weird. like George W. Bush <laughs> calling it the Google. I was a biscuit. It was sort of biscuit. Um, yeah, and the I think biscuit. they're pre- they're pretty self aware. They come out. You know, they, it's almost like a. It's like you're getting Limp biscuit and a parody of Limp biscuit. They kind of have that. That's good. They, they know kind of their place. Um, yeah. They know they're going to be playing in front of a half-empty uh, music hall in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. They know they're not selling out anywhere, right? And uh, they had three opening acts of um, bands I'd never really heard of. Now, that you might say, say that, well, that's a detriment to Limp Bizkit. They couldn't get another, you know, could get a good group of bands on the bill. But I think it was to attract some of those youngsters out there to see some... Uh, see some of the biscuit and they incorporated all of those acts into their concert. So they pulled like the, some members of the first band on stage for some songs. And so it just looked fun. I, I thought at some point I was going to be able to get on stage and hang out because it just seemed like <laughs> it was a free for all. So, uh, that part was fun. And the last thing I'll mention, there was a man that was sat a few rows in front of me over to the left and a sleeveless gentleman, you know, uh, pretty par for the course around. He could be the, he could be a mayor where I live with that get up. But, <laughs> <laughs> he he was super into every act. Like, I had never heard of the first three groups that could be on me, but this guy definitely had. And he was by himself rocking out so freaking hard in his chair awesome. in front of me. And he was holding a beer, and it never spilled. There was a couple times where I was like, huh? is it going to? Nope. He didn't <laughs> splash a drop. Uh, he, he was probably in his 40s, covered in beer, uh, beard and beer at some point. Uh, but man, I just loved watching this dude love watching the biscuit. It was a delight. That's and great. Yeah, it was awesome. That guy was my hero. That's that's awesome. Yeah. No, that that was probably the highlight of that that person's, you know, week or whatever. So uh, living around here, that was probably the best thing he's experienced since COVID, for sure. <laughs> right on. We we don't get well, acts as good or better than Limp Biscuit around mean, here. When I s- when I say people watching, I don't mean I don't necessarily mean like derogatory people no, watching. I don't mean not. like judging people. I mean like watching people like enjoy themselves and have fun and kind of living vicariously through them and like understanding or at least trying to understand like where they're coming from and what they're what they're seeing and what their experience is and that sort of stuff. So yeah, man, that's super cool to hear. I love that. Aww. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was judging him a little bit too. I'll admit. But <laughs> how much back hair did this guy have? Oh, so much. It was spilling out every <laughs> every side of that tank top, every crevice. Oh yeah, but he was loving yeah. it, and um, he uh, yeah, one man mosh pit just banged every song That's that cool. started for any band. You would have thought. It's- Fucking James Hetfield walked out on stage. Like, it was like, yeah. he was so excited for the night. Songs I hadn't even heard of. I was like, what is this? And I was like, did Elton John just walk out on stage? Why is this guy losing his fucking mind? <laughs> it's one of those things where, uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I'm sorry. You should edit this out. It's one of those brain farts. It's one of those brain farts that happens farts. where it was one of those things where, uh, oh, I was going to say it, it was one of those things where, uh, yeah, uh, as long as that guy is not like freaking like elbowing people like Charles Barkley style in the head. Oh, yeah. Like as he's as he's like doing a one man mosh pit, as long as he's not annoying anybody else, the rock on man, like go nuts. Oh, like, yeah. Do, do your thing. That's freaking well, awesome. And well, we were all in seats, too. So he was just seated having a blast. Oh, yeah. so no one was around him. But I purposefully got us seats in like the 
triple letter <laughs> section because I was like, people are less likely to see our faces from here. And uh, we'll be able to spread out and go maskless and sip beer while we enjoy some biscuit. And boy, was I right. So we had some space around us, got to just, it was like, it was like being able to kick back on your, on your own porch and watch, uh, <laughs> watch a concert. So, yeah. All right. Now that I've gone way too hard about Limp Biscuit, which I don't think is the first time we've done this. I feel like we had another podcast where we just started <laughs> talking about Limp Biscuit at some point. Uh, let's get into some of those, uh, videos that we've been making and, uh, we we went. Th- Do you want to go first or me? Sure, I'll go ahead and I did four F one racing games. Not my forte. I grew up as a as a little redneck, uh, loving NASCAR kid. So the F one that's that's weird to me. Why are the tires sticking out so far? It's strange. <laughs> but uh, you, you got to know those household names: your Unser's, your Andretti's, your Nigel Mansell's, your Danny Sullivan's. And turns out they're on NES games. You sound like uh, Tim Kirkchen, like when she when that's one of my favorite uh, sports TV tropes uh, when and Tim Kirkchen was uh, or not Tim Kirkchen. I'm sorry. Uh, Peter Gammons uh, back uh, ESPN day, the 90s ESPN, 90s ass ESPN. <laughs> Peter Gammons would be like, you know, he it would be classic like baseball trade the deadline talk and he'd be like. You know, you've got your you've got your Mark McGuire's, your Jose Canseco's, your Ruben Sierra's, and he would always throw in like somebody that doesn't belong there, like <laughs> your Ray Ordonez's, your your <laughs> right, your uh, you know Omar Vizquel's, your Ozzy Smiths, and it's like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? And it's like are you I'm just listing you to like pop in with a name that does not <laughs> belong on that list and it's like you're you're Jim Smith's you're uh you're Greg's Greg Johnson's or I don't know got to have yeah. a good Greg Greg I actually knew 3 Greg Johnsons in my life uh, but <laughs> F1 but yeah games. With any, anytime anybody talks in plurals with names like that uh, I think of Peter <laughs> Gammons on on ESPN back in the old days but anyway isn't that what podcasts are for so I can digress into these like completely useless that's what this one's for things for sure yeah, yeah. well that's what this one's for yeah i yeah. guess but i love anyway. it when we that's talk what... so long we tap into an old espn memory you have that's <laughs> that is a trope of i this loved podcast. peter gam anytime peter gammons was on I, I had to like stop what i was doing and and listen to what he was saying he was like <laughs> the wise old guy baseball sage of olden days and i was like oh it's peter gammons he's the best but yeah He's still around, 77, that guy. Yeah, he's he's the best. All right. Well, you know, the games themselves, they don't Yeah, these F1 games, these Formula 1 games. Yeah, if you, if you if you kick Daddy Sullivan out cuz that's just uh super off-road with pavement. Uh then you're yeah. left with three games that don't deviate too much from one another. But one of them in particular, that Andretti game, is a real bastard. Yeah. And I actually had to uh, I had to go go in with our pal uh, Kelsey Polnick, who was on the uh, podcast not that oh, long ago. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, because I had to be like, dude, are you my my words to him? This was the message I sent to him over a Twitter chat in the middle of the night. Was are you fucking kidding me? Do you have to seriously play like two hundred and forty four races to beat Andretti? Did you do this? Is that what you did? And he was like. Yeah, but you know what? I don't actually think it's a bad game. I was like, you have Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> there is no way 
30 hours of that I game. I thought it was fun. 144. It's 244. Oh, I might have just I might have gone a little too far. Uh, I mean, it might okay. be 144 right. if you do the math. 9 times 16. Oh yeah. my god. But still, 30 but yeah, hours. I, that's seriously one of the thing. <laughs> that's one of the the, the uh, bullet points that I made for myself for asking <laughs> you about this. And I was like, can we get this guy back on the podcast just for this freaking game? Because holy shit, that is an insane amount of time uh, to beat one crap, not crappy, but. Well, it's just, hard. It's like it's it. Yeah, they went as hard as they could to make a simulation racing game with four buttons. They didn't need to do this. They could have let you have fun. <laughs> But no, they were like, no, you're going to build <laughs> no, a career. No. You have to race nine seasons with varying levels of difficulty before we let oh you win. And, and you have to, um, you know, you can't select the automatic transmission and shifting in that game is, is critical. And he's like, well, yeah, once huh. you get good at it, it's not too bad. I'm like, I imagine, uh, but I never even got out of a qualifying run because you have to qualify before you can even race. But thankfully, if ass. you sit there long enough, the game will go into a demo. Where I could actually get footage of a race. <laughs> I was too shitty and nice. impatient with that one. But I mean, that's crafty. Well done. Yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. But uh, yeah, I got the gist. I see it as a game that, you know, if, you, if you're patient enough and you get good at it, sure, you might find some enjoyment. But it's just, that's not for me. So, well, let's, let's go through th- these four games because I, 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 I kind of have a real affinity to, uh, not just racing games, but to Formula One racing games. Uh, I think it comes from us getting a demo of uh, the... Uh, uh, I th- it was Nigel Mansell something something. It was a DOS racing game, and we got a demo of it when we first got our first computer back in 94, our Compact Presario. So, I, I re- so, of course, like it's one of like the th- four games that we own on this thing outside of, you know, free cell and whatever right spider solitaire yeah 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 so i'm like i i need to like warm up to this game to enjoy it so i've always kind of like enjoy kind of grown a uh uh affinity towards uh f1 games so you started with the allenser junior game and man i i thought that one looked the best out of all of them because it's got that smooth frame rate super smooth track some slopage there uh reminds me a bit of top gear yeah um it does seem kind of boring because you don't really come across a lot of uh other racers very often which is not great and can you can kind of zone out did what do you think about that yeah i think that's its its biggest attraction is that i think it's it might be a little uh, too easy at some point, and you just okay. you just kind of put yourself on cruise control. It is good though. I don't think it's bad. I yeah it, yeah. Well, yeah, and they good. also, if I were young enough, I would have thought Valvoline would have been a soft drink of some kind because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Valvoline all over the place, and it's just like oh, what's Valvoline like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I loved Mark Martin. He drove the the Valvoline four. Oh. I was all about the Valvoline, man. Oh, we didn't drink it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the Andretti game, and that game looks like ass. Let's be honest. Dude, For an NES yeah. game, it looks terrible. It is, uh, but it at least tries to make the racing itself interesting. So it sacrifices one thing for another thing, and then yeah, my next bullet point was 
the thing about asking Kelsey about beating that game because holy shit, that is a lot of time for one game. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I can't. I the can't Nigel imagine. Mansell. Yeah, I can't imagine that either. Uh, yeah, the Nigel Mansell game. It's almost too fast. Like it's to the point where the screen looks like it's flashing, and it's just it's craziness. Like it it's distracting to me. The mm. it it tries to to do the uh, what do you call it the. Uh, uh, you know the grid on the sides of the road where to, to where colors are flashing All on right. either side to yeah. to make sure that you know you get the feeling of speed. So it was going too fast at at certain points. It was just that's just me personally. But and then what I loved about this game though is that Nigel himself shows up as a floating head. Yeah, dude. on the side, and he looks terrifying. <laughs> He's like he he's like this looming visage visage of this like super creepy undead disembodied head and his eyes look ghoulish and it's like I want to take this and put this in other games. Yeah, like, you know what he kind of he kind of reminds me of uh, Tom Cardi, the uh, the funny Australian guy. <laughs> that's who that face reminds me of. I didn't that's think about that spot on. Oh my god! You should, okay? So all right, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put uh, Nigel Mansell's head in in his like tips, you know, <laughs> in other games, in like more popular games to to show up, and I'm gonna send it to Tom Cardi and see what he thinks. There you go. So yeah, that's that's my go. that's my next project here. I mean, <laughs> the other fun in this he too really is... does look freaking horrifying. Oh uh, yeah, the the they should have let those eyes blink. You know, that's all they needed to do. <laughs> Well, they needed to try the draw the eyes a little more real, a little better, I mm. think. But yeah, then and last, finally, we've got Danny Sullivan. Uh, what is it? Indie Heat. Yeah. Uh, and we've got. Uh, um, it just is that seriously just like a licensed super off road. That's basically what it is, right? Yeah, pretty much. Same yeah, same developer, same like, company. They just threw. They just went. Uh, they took the little paint can and they were everything was brown they made it gray and just paved all the roads <laughs> and sweet boom danny danny sullivan i mean it's rare uh rare developed game oh, yeah. west published by it's the not way that the, it's not fun the, it's just super it's over in 10 minutes you can beat it super duper easy it, it's really yeah. fun with multiple people though because everyone's smashing into each other and it's chaos well and they also have the trade west speed bowl and that either <laughs> sounds like a failed roller derby roller derby event from the 70s or it's like the third guard on the southeastern Tennessee State basketball team. So <laughs> it also sounds like there. a weird like toilet rally. I don't know <laughs> the, the old Texas speed bowl. But the uh, the interesting <laughs> thing about it is that they when they ported the the game to the NES, they renamed all the tracks, and so there is I no indie. Yeah. There's no indie 500 in the freaking game. Yeah, they they <laughs> there's no Indian there's no Indiana anywhere. Nope. It's it's called Indie Heat and there's no Indiana. Makes no sense. Yeah. They that's need to that's do pretty that. funny though. I I really enjoyed that video cuz I love uh F I don't love, but I I really dig, I guess is the proper uh <laughs> that's proper term. Yeah. Uh yeah, I I dig F1 games. So that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I appreciate um, it. We uh, should get to some emails here. Or wait, no, I have to talk about the stupid ass Lord of the Rings game. Don't for, you get past Lord of the for Rings? Super Nintendo. Ugh. 
It looked boring. Uh, do I have to? I mean, we could touch on it. It looked boring. You know, uh, I'm curious how much of this one did you get through? Like when you played it. Um. Well, this is a game that had a password system, oh, good, so good, good, good. It's one of those things where I was able to uh, kind of gank my way through the game uh, and just, you know, give everybody super souped-up stats and all that sort of stuff. Because when you play this game, just vanilla, it is brutal as hell. It's one of the uh, our our friend. Um, Jeremiah is his name. Uh, Jeremiah talked about uh, on his website, SnessRankings.com, mm. he has Lord of the Rings as like the fourth worst Super Nintendo game. Dang. Out of like 700 plus Super Nintendo games out there. And I was like, it's not that bad. But yeah, it's pretty fucking bad. It's pretty <laughs> bad. It's. Oh my god. Uh it yeah, it's it's not uh it I think what holds it back the most is that um it's just the, that the fact that like Link to the Past and Secret of Mana and like top down stuff like Smash even Smash TV and Pocky and Rocky like stuff like that where you have such fast quick attacks you can like it, you press the button and bam, like mm-hmm. in less than three tenths of a second, your attack will show up as soon as you press the button. When you press any attack button in Lord of the Rings, it takes like a full fucking second for Ugh. that attack to like to like nudge forward. Ugh. And it's just like you can't do this kind of stuff. And, you know, the game came out in. 94 95 somewhere around there and it's just like come on like you can't get away with this stuff at this point so yeah it's a shame uh, it seems like a weird that would have a ton of promise i mean that's a property that would just do well in the rpg realm um well it's a property that would have a lot of promise looking at it now but looking at it back then lord of the rings wasn't shit i mean that's true like Think yeah. about Lord of the Rings back in 1995. Like nobody cared, except for like the weird little cults that cared about it <laughs> back then. You know, they hung out in libraries and cloaks with you know daggers and I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, bunch of book nerds. Man, this <laughs> is not the podcast nerds. for book nerds. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, Lord of the Rings didn't really become like a, a mainstay. Uh, household kind of a thing until peter jackson's movies so and that was until what like 2001 so yeah this this game was well before that so yeah this this game is strangely uh stuck in time stubbornly and it's not gonna move <laughs> well i was actually surprised you hadn't covered that one yet when i saw that pop up i got excited because i was like oh oh there's a this? reason i haven't covered it yeah because well i mean i think we learned why but uh Good video, nonetheless. I was entertained, at the very least. Thanks. Uh, All right. Email time. We got uh, this one here. It's from Rolo, titled Commentary in Video Games. Hi, Trav and Al. Alex, you like being called Al? I don't care. Okay, great. It's better than being called Scott, because that's my last name. And my last name is always being, you know, I I I get the... Scott Alexander kind of a thing. I, I'm so, right yeah. there with you. I don't get called Scott, though. I get called 
by my last name, Terry. Yeah, it's, there you go. Yeah, see, that's why I get along with you because we we're both uh, both uh, two first name last names. Uh, we're it's, both. It's a rough life, guys. I bet somebody yeah. out there has it harder, but I'd be hard pressed to come up with who that person is because having two mm. first names is the worst. All right. Anyway, I'm Rolo from Minnesota. I was wondering if you think we'll ever see commentary in video games. Like as we're playing a video game, we would hear the voice of someone who worked on it or possibly even a content creator talking about interesting facts and cert- at certain points or even taking the piss out of the game AVGN style. Like I would love to hear Alex commentate a SNES game and Trav an NES game as I'm playing it. And then somewhere in there, Alex could sneak in a James Hetfield... Yeah! <laughs> or a... Well, actually... Yeah, that would be... Um, actually, I don't know if that would make your game better, uh, Rolo, but... Um, <laughs> that was a nice uh, pause there. I understood what you are going for. <laughs> that was not rehearsed. I yeah, we've for. worked. We've, we just work so well together. And then he says, uh, while there's lots of information about games out there, I think it would add a whole different dimension to see and hear it while you're in the game. Also, it was nice that you showed some love to Shinders. It was definitely one of my happy places when it was around. So you probably oh, know that. Man, right? Shinders. Yeah. Dude, Shinders was so awesome. Dude, Rolo, let me tell you something. Shinders was the place to go. Okay, it was like, uh, if you wanted three things, like number one, well, actually four things. Number one was like baseball cards, like any kind of baseball. It That was your place to get baseball cards, football cards, basketball, any, packs, any of that stuff. It was your go-to hobby shop for that sort of stuff. Number two, it was your place to go to get singles for that stuff like i was a big jeff bagwell fan back in the day because he was my guy i was a big uh ken griffey jr fan if i wanted uh you know the uh griffey fleer 1989 rookie yeah i knew it would be like eight dollars at shinders and that was like kind of my my barometer so to speak for like what that card was worth it was kind of like my own personal Beckett mm-hmm. uh, magazine value for what these cards were worth. Even if they wouldn't... I knew Shinders wouldn't pay for that if I uh, sold it to them myself. But, <laughs> myself, but yeah. Um, number three was comics. Uh, it had a shitload of comics and magazines for that matter. Uh, so I went there for that. And number four, it was my go-to for any time I needed, like, a really creepy dude in a big trench coat to, like, cough out, like, tuberculosis (laughs) out onto, like, the rest of the public just standing in front of the magazine rack going, just, like, puking his guts out practically. It it was never failed. Like, you you go to Shinders and you're gonna see a guy... In a freaking trench coat, just like, just sick as hell. It's like, dude, what are you doing here? Get out of here. It was, <laughs> it was never, it, that became a running joke between me and my childhood friend. Like, did you see the sick guy? <laughs> you know, like, it was, it Man. was just absurd. But yeah, Shinders was my favorite. But, but anyway, uh, he our our email here Rolo makes a really good point about uh, commentary in video games, like commentary tracks. Yeah, that uh, would what be do you neat. think about that? I think it's I think it's interesting. I I feel like I've had a similar idea to this, it just because I, I 
I stumbled across the DVD extra features a little too late in life. Like Netflix had already kind of taken over. And I was like, you know what I miss? Guys just talking while I watch a movie. You just <laughs> you can't get that anymore with the streaming. So I've I got an appreciation <laughs> for that. So Oh, you can get it with Mystery Science Theater. There you go. But those are only bad movies. Yeah. I, I think that that is neat if you could do do like a director's cut, you know, if, if your new game plus introduced that ability to have commentary, like when you entered a, a cave or something and somebody would come up and be like, when we were designing this cave, like that would be cool. I would love to hear that. Uh, I think the, the only way to um, rectify that now would be to just listen to an audio book about the game while you play the game and mm. boy do we have the the right guest for that and i did i look, oh yeah i looked this up uh you can play doom 2016 uh you, if you oh. play through the main quest it's about 16 hours and if you listen to the oh. audiobook masters of doom also about 16 hours you could do a one-for-one sort of wizard of oz dark side of that's the moon that's pretty awesome you could do that you could play and li- do a little play and listen nice but make sure it's your second playthrough of doom 2016 because the soundtrack is too good to pass up your first time through. You got to listen. Well, I mean, who out there, what lunatic out there is watching anything, a movie or playing a video game? (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Holy shit. (coughs) Tuberculosis guy's back. (laughs) I think that's what triggered it. Uh, The commentary for a game, though, is going to be pretty tough to, to nail down, like, as you're playing it. Mm-hmm. So I, I like your idea of like when you enter a dungeon, like, yeah, this is what we were thinking, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, if you're playing a game your first time through with that on, that's going to be kind of shitty. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I think it's a but new yeah. game plus feature. That's how you. Yeah, exactly. That's what you need. Good question, though. Great question. Uh, next. Is it uh, my turn? Yeah, uh, you read the first one. Games you can you still can't find, and UT, uh, YouTube question says Adrian. Oh boy, and he says, "Hey Tralix, man, that's how he's covering both grounds. It's covering both grounds." What do you think there. about that? You, are you are you you're, you're thinking efficiency above all? I I like that's that that I'm first. I don't think Alex Vis works as well. <laughs> Or Elvis. Wait, it would be like A-L-E-V-I-S, Elvis, Elvis. I don't know. That sounds like something that you would take over the counter, Elvis. Anyway. <laughs> sounds like something I'd hear on Tales of the Lesser Medium, like some sort of weird drug you guys would make up on that show. But, uh, okay, he says, uh, Adrian here, two questions. Number one. Are there games from your childhood that you remember playing but still can't find today? I have a good amount still. My latest find was thanks to, I think, Travis's video where he featured Captain America and the Avenger and the Avengers for NES. And it was a great nostalgic memory I forgot I had. I, there was still a shoot 'em up on SNES that I can't find. It's kind of like Blazion, which I found thanks to SNES Drunk. Sorry, stress drunk. SNES drunk? Who the fuck is that? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But my younger self tells me that's not quite it, although it might as well be. Uh, I remember you picked up parts of your ship as you went on, but that's about all I remember. 
And then number two, he says, I am thinking about starting my own hobby retro gaming YouTube channel. What is something you'd like to see from a new channel today? And more importantly, what is something you do not want to see anymore? If the short answer is just don't do it, I'll take that too. Ha ha. You guys <laughs> rock. Adrian. P.S. If at some point you said, yo, Adrian, Rocky reference. Yes, I get that a lot. I love the Rocky movies, so I take that as a compliment. Man, how did he know that we came into the episode as, as with the Rocky reference? Man, incredible stuff. It's all coming full circle. We started out with the yo, and now we're all the way here. My God. All the way. That's right. Man, good job. Good questions. Uh, well, for number one, I have sad news for Adrian. I have not made a video about Captain America and the Avengers. So hats off to whoever led you down that path, but it was unfortunately not me. But I, there is, I do remember playing a game. I remember renting a game that I can't seem to, I can't seem to put my finger on which one it was. It was for the NES and it was an RPG. And at this point, I've played them all pretty much in figuring out what this could be. But my memory, and it could just be some false memory I have from when I was like six or seven years old of playing it is so specific, but I just cannot seem to pin down which game it was. And I don't remember a ton about it that I can articulate, but there is something out there that one day I will find it, hopefully, and find out I'm just not crazy. Because right now I feel a little bit crazy. Well, that's fine. I mean, if it's crazy, it's crazy. I mean, I guess. Just roll with it. Just lean into it. I guess you have to at that point. What about you? Is there a game out there that you're like, man, I remember playing this, but I, or playing a game, but I can't. I Not really. Um, I think, if anything, it would be some like PC demo. You know, here's a story for you. We used to have, uh, what do you call it, a, uh, a, a class called uh, Computer Essentials, quote unquote, <laughs> which was an absolute joke of a class in high school. And this was like... 11th grade i think this was like junior year something like that mm -hmm. and this is like this would have been like 99 so yeah the class was still called a computer essentials and the teacher was some guy named mr lowey i think mr lowey had to have been over 80 years old at that point did you call him wowie lowey no <laughs> what <laughs> you didn't lowey lowey wowie maui lowey i don't know it seems like you could have fun with that name <laughs> no, he had no, he had fun with nothing. Aww. He was he was a miserable old guy. He wore he wore like this crappy like men's warehouse suit every day. Oh man! And I was uh, hoping he'd wear like wore, a Hawaiian shirt, and you could call no. him Maui Maui Lowie. Gosh dang it! That no, guy no 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 sucks. This guy did not lean into his name at all. Unlike where you know you, you got to lean into stuff when you when you realize things about yourself. I don't know, but anyway. uh Lowey was not a great teacher. He did not give a shit about this. He was just cashing a paycheck. Uh, we had all sorts of like computer games installed on our uh, quote-unquote computer essentials computers. Uh, one was uh, the first-person shooter Blood, which was super fun. Uh, another was the first Grand Theft Auto. Uh, my friend uh, from high school, Gretchen, who might be listening to this, can uh, vouch for this. Uh uh carmageddon was another game uh there were a bunch of dos games but there there might have been a couple that i played for like a 
maybe like a day or like a class that I don't remember. But other than that, like there's not a whole lot out there that I can think of. But yeah, that was that was my computer essentials class was learning to play DOS games back in the late 90s in high school. I love that. Man, that's yeah. Blood blood was super fun because one kid uh, eventually uh, ended up uh, hooking up like the the high school network to like play land games and that was awesome mm. that was like a super fun day but that got shut down real quick and that kid but, grew yeah. up to be john carmack <laughs> incredible stuff <laughs> incredible stuff. but that was that was a lot of fun but now, yeah i, I want to shout out there is a, a a corner of the internet if you do think of something that you, and you need help figuring it out in this video game related it's uh, the subreddit tip of my joystick those people are amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They can they can maybe figure out what you're missing there. Um, and then the second question, or did we get through those first questions? I guess we did. Okay, the second question was about oh, starting his own YouTube channel. I mean, I I would never talk anybody out of that. If you have a if you have creative itch, get it out, go do it. Uh, and yeah, it'll never, I agree with that. And it'll never be the first few things you make will never live up to your own expectations. But just do it until you're happy, or do it until you're unhappy. Make a decision. I don't know if there's anything that I feel useful that I need to see for something that's, you know, retro gaming related that hasn't been covered yet. I can't think of anything. Uh, the only thing I, th- I can think of is applying new technology to old stuff like mm-hmm. Atlas Maps. Uh, what that channel does is take something like say you know super mario brothers and takes the entire uh level and stretches it out beyond widescreen and like shows the whole level almost uh and scrolls to like a you know like a further further out oh yeah so you can see what everybody else is you know way ahead of what you're dealing with and that's that's really cool yeah, I think um, I think when it comes to the retro gaming, I mean, it's just a a time and place thing, right? Like YouTube has been around. YouTube is tends to still be the place. YouTube has been around for eons, and so there's just no shortage of information for a good number of games. Like NES area is pretty saturated. Like most of the Nintendo stuff is pretty well covered. But I'm always interested to see some of those, you know. Uh, consoles and things that don't really get a lot of attention. Like, uh, for some reason, I just always am curious about what the 3DO is up to. Like, I don't know why. Anytime I see a 3DO game, I'm like, what's going on in here? I'm as fascinated by it now as I was looking at it in magazines 20 years ago. And, uh, I don't know. Just going the direction where, um, a lot of people aren't already is probably wise. It, you might not be, you might not get the, uh, you know, the, the number of folks looking at your stuff would be the drawback, right? Because who's going to be out there looking for silent assault on the 3DO? But if you make it Everybody. interesting, if you make you it ta- interesting enough, are you enough, kidding? Oh. There's a huge demand for 3DO stuff out there. Are you kidding? Just ask Trip Hawkins. He's the guy who made it. My God. Now I'm trying to remember. I don't think Silent Assault was even on the 3DO. I don't want to get well actually in an email, but <laughs> well, actually, the 3DO is Trip Hawkins' greatest conquest. He actually won the 16-bit wars, the 32-bit wars, and all the wars. 
for every war forever. Strip Hawkins, <laughs> what he does. Oh my gosh! Anyway, I love when that when Will actually guy says Trip Hawkins. Oh, that is my Trip Hawkins. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, god damn it! So funny. Why? Why is? By the way, why is that like a human kind of thing where? You know, we know that Steve McMichael's name is Steve McMichael. That's his name, singular, Steve McMichael. I'm talking about Mongo, the guy that used to wrestle for WCW and the guy that used to uh, uh, play for the Chicago Bears as a defensive tackle. Steve McMichael is his name. Yes. So many people say his name is Steve McMichael's why why is that why the s maybe i don't understand that maybe because sean michaels is a wrestler i think people conflated <laughs> it i don't know i mean it's like my mom would always call it walmart's like we're gonna go to walmart's I'm like well you just need to really go to one they have about the same thing like if you go to two you'll see the same thing <laughs> or kroger's well i mean to be fair there's woolworth's there's walgreens yeah or, I, I should say Walgruns, as my dad would pronounce it. Uh, yeah, there's there's lots of stores with their Wendy's, McDonald's, the Walmart's. Yeah, I get it. CVS's. <laughs> we got it. GameStops. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Well, they, I mean, to close out uh, Adrian's email, there any other uh, tips for someone looking to get into creating some video content? No, no, yeah, just just do it, just do it, I guess, yeah, pretty much, all right, up next is an email from uh Josh, uh literally spelled that way j a w s h j a w s h Josh 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 Josh, okay, first okay. email in a while is the title, and it says, What up, Trav and Alex? I know Alex in particular has big gripes with N64 controllers, so I am wondering if there are any aftermarket controllers that you would recommend for people who don't want to use the traditional Trident N64 controller. I just got a Brawler 64 recently, and it makes my N64 gaming much more enjoyable. This question can be applied to any other consoles as well, any off-brand controllers or fight sticks or power gloves that you two were fond of. Thanks, Josh Lopez. And, uh, yeah, I think we got some answers here for you, Joush. I, uh, recently got some aftermarket N64 controllers, and I tend to like them all. I got a Retro Bit, which is pretty sweet. Uh, I've got the Retro mm. Fighters one, which is more in the shape of, like, a Xbox controller kind of thing. Works out pretty good. And I have a, uh, uh, what do you, a Hori pad. Ori? Hori? I don't know if you hit the, you hit the H full on. Hori? H-O-R-I. I got one of those as well. I love all of them. I think they're all a little better than the N64 original controller. So I recommend all those. Well, wait a second. I'm look. I'm pulling up the uh, RetroBit controllers here for N64. I don't know if I'm looking at the right thing, but these all look like the same sort of deal where it's... Well, at least they, they have the... Uh, uh, what do you call it? It's the um, the joypad, uh, the joystick on the left instead of on the center, and no oddly placed uh, crotch. <laughs> right, no oddly placed crotch. Thing on, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's basically weird looking at that point. But yeah, I guess I guess it's the it's different. But um, I mean, yeah, yeah. The eight bit ones would be a, an improvement over what originally came out. I I still don't know wonder. I don't understand what the hell they were thinking with the original. But yeah, uh, they they still look like massive pieces of plastic, which is. Don't, like the controller should be small. Like, come on. I mean, I don't know. That's just my opinion. It looks like you're playing with a small dinosaur's pelvis. I agree. It's yeah, basically, yeah. I agree. It's not great. Uh, I, I am so used to it. I, oh, I, I'm not really bothered by it as much. Uh, but when I was kid, I had small hands. That thing was a nightmare. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I um, I think a lot of the aftermarket N64 ones, it, it, it might just be a testament to how bad the original is for a lot of people, but th- they're, if it's an aftermarket one and it doesn't look like a dinosaur's pelvis, it's probably going to be better than the original. How did you come up with dinosaur's pelvis? I don't know. It's where, where, in like your, a... where in your subconscious did well, that? I didn't did want to just, I, I didn't want to say a small human's pelvis. That felt weird, so I went ahead and just threw a dinosaur in there, so it seemed like I was playing... Not with... a hippopotamus's pelvis, but uh, like a... That was a mouthful. A you dinosaur's pelvis? You can't say Josh Leslie's thirst-quenching logo, but you can say hippopotamus's <laughs> pelvis first try? You're insane. Insane. <laughs> the answer is yes to all that. Yeah. Well, and then the other consoles, uh, off-brand... Con- I don't do a lot of off-brand controllers unless something like the N64 forces yeah. my hand. But, uh, hmm. No, I can't think of much. Eh. Not my... Well, uh, N64 is trash anyway. Who cares? Oh, here we go. Here we go. We're not going anywhere. We're, <sighs> we're staying right here. The N64 sucks. Oh, my God. It's, uh, it's garbage it's, ass. Oh, come garbage on. A- garbage ass platform. I don't care. I don't care either way. <laughs> well, with that, I think that's going to wrap Alex doesn't care. We're going to wrap it up. <laughs> well, with that, we're, we're going to enthusiastically wrap this up. All, All right. right. I, I do wish there was a knockoff uh, power glove that fit adult hands and worked. Just throwing that out that'd there. That'd be cool. Anybody out yeah, there that wants I'd to make that, that kickstart. I'd rather use that than stupid-ass freaking N64 controller. Than a, than a hippopotamus's pelvis. The hippop, the hippopel, the hip pelvis, hip pelvis. Very good. All right. Yeah, <laughs> That's, that was good. All right. Well, coming up next, uh, we've got we got a treat because it just so happens sometimes the exceptional guest comes from inside the house. We've we've known Dean for a while. We've been hanging out with him in the old Polymedia Discord for. A few years now, and this guy just turns around and makes an amazing website full of books and book information. Incredible stuff. The website is thevideogamelibrary.org, and it is an extremely useful resource for uh, books about video games. That's right. So coming up next, Dean. Hey, Dubbies. Famous silent video game protagonist Gordon Freeman here to tell you about the Tales of the Lesser Medium podcast. Prepare to recoil in awe as Caleb and Travis entertain you through famous video game storylines from such legendary series as Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, Gears of War, 
TV VCR repair, and more. If you enjoy video games, funny skits, and voice talent that will make you question the existence of God, you need to listen to Tales of the Lesser Media, part of the Polymedia Network. All right, Dean, the guy, the one responsible for the videogamelibrary.org, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us, dude. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you guys for having me. It's exciting to be here. Dude, indeed, because uh, you have brought to the world, the gaming world, the literature world, a pretty impressive resource. And, you know, I don't even really know where to start with the questions, uh, but how would you describe what you've got going on here? So it's sort of a centralized repository for any literature based on video games that could be fiction game studies uh, historic uh, novelizations a- anything like that and uh, it, it sort of came spur of the moment like I, I, I hadn't planned to do this for a very long time it was more an idea in the morning and fulfilled in the afternoon so it's uh, <laughs> it's been gaining a lot of traction though and been super happy with just the positive feedback I think everybody's finding it to be a good resource. There's lots of other resources out there, right? You got Goodreads, which is something I could I could never compete with, but that's got, you know, tens of millions of books on it. So the intent here was just to sort of put some boundaries around the video game niche market and and just try to collect as many pieces of literature up there as I can. Well, what's really cool here is that um you don't uh like it seems like no stone is left unturned here like if if you go to the home page it's nothing but uh <laughs> you uploaded a ton of halo novelizations uh written by all sorts of different people uh i pulled one up by uh the auspiciously named greg bear uh <laughs> who wrote uh primordium and you've got a a big uh synopsis here um, you've got all the information that, like, it, it's like going to, uh, you know, my local library doesn't have info like this, this organized. <laughs> so it's really nice to see this for, for at least uh, video game stuff. I wanted to ask, though, do you, uh, what about the, like, code books? Like, how do you handle those, like, uh, like Game Gear codes and all that stuff? Have you, have you received any of those yet? Have you, have you come across any of those? Yeah, so I, I sort of parse this out into into phases. And phase four, and I'm kind of skipping ahead, but phase four is when I start exploring things like uh, strategy guides and tips and tricks books and um, home programming books for, you know, the old home computers that sort of spurred the, the video game industry. So that's the stuff I'm sort of keeping on my peripherals right now. I just want to stack the, the library with really obvious, you know, novelizations and historic books and, and, and things like that. But uh, it's, sure. uh, yeah, I'm definitely wanting to, to expand once I have a little bit more bandwidth. There's even audiobooks on here, too. Uh, and you also have uh, one that I'm currently trying to get through. Uh, it was in an old Kickstarter campaign for service games, The Rise and Fall of Sega. 
Yes. That is a Sam extremely Pettis. dry read. But, uh, well, I'm sorry, what was that? Sam Pettis, he, he writes it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, it, it's, 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 there's a lot of great info there, but it, it's a pretty dry read. So I'm taking it in, in short <laughs> chunks, bursts, I guess you'd call them. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, uh, it, and but that's... yeah, that's just one, that's one book. Uh, you've even got um, info on the Reggie Phil's, how do you say his name? Reggie Phil's Reggie, yeah, Reggie Nintendo. I think it's what people, just Reggie Nintendo. Reggie Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my audio was cutting out there for a sec, but um. Yeah, Reggie Nintendo, but uh, yeah, he uh, info on his book is there too, so it's very cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot of information, Dean, and I'm I'm curious, like, because I know you have a collection yourself of a, a vast array of gaming and gaming adjacent things. Are the things that are being shown here on your on this website things that you also own, or is it some things that you do, some things that you don't? I wouldn't be surprised if you owned all this stuff, knowing you, but I'm just curious. What's in your stockpile, and then what's on the website? I wish. Uh, no, I I started with my collection, just trying to get as much of my collection up there as possible. I didn't actually start collecting books until um, much later. I was I was more of a memorabilia guy for a long, long time, and that market got real saturated real fast. Um, mm-hmm. You guys might have seen like the eleven thousand dollar square figures that are coming out these days. So I sort of backed off of that and, and started collecting books. Um, and my collection's about between six and seven hundred books right now, but nowhere near nice. what's in what's in the library. I haven't got all of my collection up on the library right now. I'm I'm a little scatterbrained when it comes to loading <laughs> things up because there, there's just so many rabbit holes to go down. Right, you find a new author and and they've written a dozen books. You find a new publisher and they've published a dozen books. A new language, like there's there's just hundreds of different rabbit holes and, and you just have your, your choice of what to go down on any given day. So I would say in the, in the 2000 I've loaded over the past month and, and a little bit here, um, I have over a hundred different rabbit holes to still go down and, and double that number pretty easily without, without searching a whole lot. So there's a ton of books out there. Damn. Yeah. It makes me think of, uh, you, you talk about going down rabbit holes. I can't help myself, but mention, uh, Garfield and Friends, uh, you know that that little uh, jaunt where they go to the farm, and uh, it's it's like farm animals for a second. The 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 and friends of Garfield is yeah. is yeah those <laughs> those farm animal guys, and one of the one of the running gags on that thing was was Orson Pig used to get like lost in books. He couldn't like put his books away because he would get stuck reading them. That's what that makes me think of. So now I just imagine you as Orson Pig. I hope that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, growing up, like I, I never, it was never like, I'm going to be a librarian. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, no, I, nobody I hated, ever. I hated books, man. I, <laughs> right, like, yeah. Not, not, not like the idea of books. I get the concept. But like reading yeah. a book, I had a lot of, I, I struggled a lot in, in school trying to, to get through a book. Uh, I had a project in grade 12 to write a book report on my favorite book. And I was like, uh, goosebumps? Like, I, I haven't read a book. Like, I, I, I don't read. So it wasn't until after high school that I actually got into it. And I think since COVID, um, around 2020, is when it started to snowball that passion for for reading. And I don't know what it is. If it was, you know, I'm not being stimulated by the same, you know, people coming into my office. Now I'm working from home. I don't need that virtual escape of a video game maybe just uh, a sure. book you know i'm sitting at my computer eight hours a day with my cats 
without any interruption, you know, maybe that's why I found a lot of solace in books, but it was just really snowballed. And I found that there's not really a great resource out there for me to, to look up uh, other books that I might be, might be interested in. You mentioned, you know, uh, the rise and fall of Sega or service games. I mean, that is a facts and figures type book where it's very, very yeah. dry. Whereas yeah. if you, if you look more of like the, the narrative historical tellings, like, um, masters of doom or right. stay a while and listen. wars. Yeah, exactly. Th- those are the types of books I really like. And I want somebody to be able to go on the site and say, Hey, I really enjoyed masters of doom. I want to learn more about John Romero. Um, and you can find that, you know, two days ago he announced his autobiography, uh, doom guy life in first person, right? If you want to <laughs> learn a little bit more about doom itself, like, there's Scary Dark Fast, which is a deep dive into the guts and the culture around when Doom came out. It's a, it's a lot deeper if you listen to the audiobook. And it was, who was it? Will Wheaton that mm. did Masters of Doom uh, audiobook. Oh, you know, yeah. he, I'm listening to that right does... now, actually. That's a very, uh, very prescient topic. I am chapter five, yeah. man. It's such a good book. You're, you're reading it right now. Yeah. 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 So if are you listening to the audiobook or are you reading I it? I am. Yeah. I'm listening to, to old Will Wheaton. Yeah, so he's got like sort of a dramatic flair to the way he he tells mm-hmm. or he reads uh, these books. So if you like that, you can um, you know hop into the Masters of Doom record, and it'll take you to uh, Prepare to Meet Thy Doom, which is another audiobook that Will Wheaton reads, uh, which is a bunch of short stories around the time of Doom. You know, if you like Kushner's writing, David Kushner, who writes the book, he does mm-hmm. Jacked, the outlaw story of Grand Theft Auto, right? Also a good so, one, yeah. 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 So that's that's sort of like why I started the the site is that you find a book that you like, a style that you like, and then from there you can learn all about the yeah. other books that would fit your tastes. Great resource, um, Trav. Let me ask you real quick though. You said you're reading that, or you're uh, you got the audio going of uh, old Will Wheaton, mm-hmm. there uh, Wesley from uh, TNG. Can you give me an example, like when 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 you say he's got a dramatic flair to to what he says? Can you give me an example of how he would read something? Like, say he's going to uh, the grocery store, but uh, he, to get some bananas, but they're out. <laughs> like, how, how would he read that? Uh, he, he would be like, uh, so then he went to the grocery store and they were out of bananas. You know, just kind of that, just a little bit of texture there. A lot of guys won't give you that. They just give you the flat <laughs> okay. out, out of bananas line. Yeah, well, the reason I ask is I'm not a big audiobook guy. Uh, I don't like somebody else's vo- voice in my head, I guess. Uh, so when, when somebody else is narrating something, it's I'm curious uh, of what that's like. There are good and bad ones, for sure. I think uh, Will Wheaton's... Uh, people that, are, that have some uh, stage acting and some, you know, even film acting... Um, backgrounds are are usually pretty good. Um, so Will Wheaton is is decent, and also I, I can't think of the actor, but he he does a lot of Stephen King books, and he's also the uh, one of the football coaches in Remember the Titans. Gosh, what is that guy's name? Oh, I see his face. I just don't know his name. He's that guy. Yeah, but I just I, know him as that guy. He's that guy, and he's usually an unsavory <laughs> character in movies. He's usually like yeah. some southern hothead, but um, really good at at uh, narrating audiobooks. And sometimes that that'll make make or break it for me. So uh, I, I and that's sure. I, to come full circle on Dean's point. That is a great great thing because another. I mean, I just read. 
uh, Project Hail Mary, Andy Weir's newest uh, space adventure. And I really love the guy who narrates uh, that book. And I immediately wanted to find, you know, it wasn't so much about the author at that point or even the topic. I was like, I just want to hear this guy tell me more stories. And so uh, that is nice that you have that built in rabbit hole function where you can I can go look for more Will Wheaton uh, books that are in the video game vein or I can go find a specific author or whatever. I think that's really smart. And I want to ask because I know that you this came together quick for you. Did you plan how all of this was going to network together and kind of what's been your process for putting all of this together, I guess, is, is the better way to ask it. Yeah, so I I set out to do it in four phases. The first phase was just more of a learning phase. Get as many books up on the site as I can. And that'll help me set the boundaries of what this site is all about. And that's evolving daily. Um, You guys recently had uh, Red Ox on the show. Mm -hmm. And she actually suggested me get songbooks up there, right? She was looking for a Castlevania piano sheet music and she couldn't find one so she she made the cd herself right but there's not a great source a one-stop shop where you can look at all of the published uh songbooks out there that have to do with video games there's some made by fan gamer there's some from alfred there's some from um hal so i'm trying to consolidate all of these that's something that i just started doing you know today or yesterday so as it continues to evolve, that's going to influence uh, some of the next phases around metadata. So once I get as much as I can on there, um, it was initially set to about 1,500 books. Now with how much I've discovered, maybe closer to the 3,000 bookmark, then I can move on to phase two, where I go back into each record and I clean things up. I uh, fix my translations of uh, foreign language books. I... Uh, start adding the multiple editions of uh, the different the different iterations of the book um, and just clean up the you know the formatting because the formatting has evolved as well if you go to some of the earlier entries versus the latest entry um, there's a, you know a buy it now button feature yeah. there's uh, a little bit prettier tables uh, that that house all the page numbers and ISBN numbers and, and things like that so that's phase two and phase three is really about intertwining or, or building that web. So going into a book, knowing that I have now 3,000 books in the, on the site, I can say these three books are probably the most relevant in terms of you know rabbit hole. Because I can't build that from, from the base up. I have to build it with that foundation in place. And then we talked about phase four earlier where it's like, okay, now I have everything seamlessly talking together. Let's start adding strategy guides and tips and tricks and and hint books and all the peripheral stuff that's being tabled for now. So that's how I wanted to tackle it, but it's, you know, it comes with me, you know, sort of half-assing my way through this phase one. (laughs) I'm putting up records that aren't as clean as I would like, but it's probably for the better. Yeah. And are you a one man band? Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, I want help. But I'm also a little opposed to sort of a crowdsourced platform without the moderation in there because mm-hmm. um, it gets messy. And there's a, a certain way I like to do things. Now, I, I don't want to say I haven't had help um, outside of the actual building of the site. People have been um, 
incredibly uh, gracious. Um, you guys had Frank Cifaldi yeah. on here recently, right? Yeah. Video Game History Museum um, uh, Foundation. So they recently moved to a different uh, location. And I was watching a YouTube video for, for MidMax, Ben Hansen. He was able to go there and he was able to do a bit of filming in their new location. And one of the shots was sort of a sweeping view of the bookshelf that they have at the the History Foundation. And so I'm trying to freeze frame to make sure like, oh, these are rare books. Like, I want to see as much as I can. So Frank reached out early and I was telling him, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't trying to freeze frame Ben's video and and try and see all the things on the book. And we had a laugh. Uh, And a couple days later, he sends me a video. He's like, I went back to the shelf and I slow recorded every shelf with his phone, like just shelf by shelf, slow pan of everything in the museum. And that, you know, that got me, you know, 600 different books that I would have never found on Amazon. I mean, these are, you know, these are pretty rare books or, you know, non-English publications. So, I mean, just, you know, the graciousness of that, having never really interacted with him before, um, was, was awesome. super kind. Yeah, um, that's great, some, man. I was one of the questions we were going to ask was like, "Hey, man, does does Frank Cifaldi know about this?" So it's, it seems <laughs> that he does, which is great. So I'm curious if there's any potential for any other future type collaborations between uh, what you have going on and the the History Foundation. Yeah, we talk back and forth often enough, and and when you know when they retweet something I post, I mean, I get like a hundred followers, right? It's um, it's a, it's a great thing to to be a part of. I don't want to intrude. I know they have their own librarian and, and their own processes, and I'm not trying to replace any of that. This is more of just a, a resource for the average person looking to, to find some sure. books. But, um, you know, there's there's publishing houses in uh, one in France, Omake Books, that reached out earlier on. And, and they were like, look, wow. we, we we publish exclusively in France in, in French language. and." Um, you know, you're probably not going to find them all on Amazon. Why don't we go through our entire back catalog, what's listed and, and what's not listed anymore? Give us your data points, everything you're looking for, you know, ISBN number and year of publication and author and contributor and all that stuff. And we'll get you a full spreadsheet and we'll send you some high res images. Um, and they sent me a list of everything they've ever published to do with video games, which wow. was, was, was amazing. Uh, Hedoes de Papel is another one in Spain. They reached out to me with some um, like press credentials. And they said, this will get you access to the back end of our site where you can see everything we're going to announce, everything we've announced, all the high-res images, all the stuff that you know IGN would publish on their pages. It's just people have been incredibly nice about this. So that's the sort of help I'm getting rather than you know somebody actually building the, the record on the site. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's just incredible. As you've been talking, I've just been scrolling through, and the the website has this great aesthetic. I mean, it's it's all tiled, and I mean, you know, you didn't design any of the book covers, but having them all together, it just it pops. It, it's really it's really well put together. So I commend you for that because I know you, like you said, you had the idea in the morning, and by the afternoon, you had a concept, and uh, it's just one of those things that just seems kind of meant to be. It's like it's all just kind of fallen into place. Obviously, that's come with some hard work. Um, so I do want to ask, how can people help? I don't see like, you know, I see a Discord link and a way to contact you link, but is there a way that people can help you, whether it be through donations or 
um, sending you information? What's what's the best way people can help out uh, the videogamelibrary.org? I think the best thing is is really just if you know if you're an author of a publication or you're familiar with publications that aren't on the site, I'm always open to the suggestions. You mentioned the Discord. There's a channel specifically in there for contributions. People who are from other countries or, or notice something wrong on the site, you know, I'm I'm totally open to getting feedback like that. Um, I, I don't want this to become about, um, you know, income or, or financials or donations just because of the, uh, you know, the expectation behind it. Alex, you, you know, you recently um, pulled down your, your Patreon for sort of the same reason, the obligation that comes along with that, right? Yeah, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and this certainly would never get to that level, but I, I just wouldn't want anybody putting any of their you know, time or money towards something that is, is really just a side hobby for me and, and really meant to be right. a resource for them, not a source yep, exactly. of income for me. I completely relate to that. Yeah. Yep, just let me know about books. Like that's the best you can do <laughs> and, and spread the word. Like the ideally like end state would be everybody knows about this thing. Everybody uses it. And as new books are announced or start to be published or are released or on pre-order, like, let's have that conversation in the Discord or get it on the site as soon as possible. It's, yeah. So I'm curious to know, do you have, like, a holy grail in mind? Like, a, bo- a certain book or a certain magazine that exists out there, or maybe a certain guide that you personally, you know, website aside... You know, just thinking of like your what what you've collected so over the years, like is there is there anything out there uh, for, from that perspective that uh, would be considered a holy grail? If there is, I'm not familiar with it. Like it's not the same as uh, you know. I'm not. I, I'm sure if you were into first editions and you know limited oh, printings yeah. and, and all that stuff, absolutely. I get that. Yeah. For me, it's uh, yeah. I mean books are fairly accessible especially with the advent of, of amazon um i mean i can i can find books from 1978 on still for 20 bucks like it's it's not that hard to find some of these things um you know there are some um rarer publications there's one on the website now that i'd love to see what's inside it's about um the korean piracy's impact on nintendo um, Ooh, yeah, which that is interesting. And there's nothing online about it. It's just a cover. Yeah. So I would love to just open the book and see like what what is it? Yeah. That's that's interesting to me because that is one of the biggest reasons why Nintendo uh stayed with cartridges during for N64. Uh so that would be interesting to read about. Um but I, I should mention that one of the reasons I, I came to this question is that uh, there's a Twitter account called History of Hyrule. Yeah. They're like a big Legend of Zelda archivist and, you know, art collector and sort of that sort of thing. And they very recently just got a uh, Japanese, um, I'm not even sure what to call this. It's like... <clears throat> A, a crossword puzzle dungeon kind of a thing and it's like this huge find you know it, it's been talked about for years and years and they haven't and they just finally got their copy of it uh <laughs> and this is like just like a fun little it, it's almost like something you'd get in a you know on the side of a cereal box or something 
I'm wondering if you'd uh, you'd eventually consider <laughs> getting stuff like that on your site. Uh, if if you know, I, I I can't imagine you'd ever run out of stuff to to upload there. But uh, if if you uh, you know, like what what's your opinion on stuff like that? If because it's it's like half here. I could sh- I should probably just send the link because it's like it, half. Yeah. Co- Oh, you did see it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I follow History of Hyrule. And so what I generally do is anytime they put, because they, they've just recently picked up a bunch of uh, manga as well. Um, yeah. So I, I just bookmark the tweets. And, oh, right and that's sort of my back catalog of things to go through when I'm ready to you know do translation efforts or things like that. I've reached out to them as well. Um, I haven't heard back, but I mean, they're i'm sure they're busy so uh i'd love to just get in touch with them and and just collaborate on something to say you know you're doing your thing and i get it but if there's a way to have a list of all the publications you know about or you have in the collection that would be fantastic that is great i'm i'm curious though where do you draw the line because i mean from every uh direction of video games there's a fuzzy border between that and something else whether it be you know pinball machines or casino type games you know how are you sort of defining your domain for what goes on this website so in my head it's easy but the more books i find the harder it gets or the more gray area there is Mm -hmm. so in my head if it's a, a fiction book it needs to take place within an existing video game universe or an existing IP. It can't be, you know, a fictional book about video games, you know, as, as part of the story, but if it's a, a fictional story, you know, within the Mario universe or within Metroid or Zelda or any non Nintendo right. franchise. So question uh, there, course, would something like ready player one that would that no, fall outside? That would fall outside. Cause that's more of a fiction about right, right. video games. Right. Okay. Um, and, and I've had requests to, to put them in, for sure. Uh, where it gets a little more gray is you, you get things like Turok. When I think Turok, I think N64, you know, Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that guy's been around since the 50s in comic form, right? So the comics and everything existing before the game don't make it onto the site. They had nothing to do with the game. There are two lines uh, of, of comics and novels based directly on the video games. Those ones do make it onto the website. So it's a little bit of a case-by-case. Case. Star Wars is another one, right? There's hundreds of Star Wars books out there. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But there are graphic novels and actual novelizations directly based on Knights of the Old Republic or Battlefront or Force Unleashed. Those ones do make it onto the website. So as much as I hate having Star Wars stuff on the website, even though I love <laughs> Star Wars, it, it does earn its place because it's directly an adaptation or directly ties into the video game sub-universe within the larger canon. Uh, you mentioned pinball. You know, that's a hard one because, you know, anything sort of published pre-80s generally has a lot of pinball, a lot of amusement game and very little uh, arcade. But if there is a sort of a significant amount of, of arcade information in there, like a digital arcade game information, then I'll publish it. But often it's a case-by-case thing. 
So it, it seems does like get a blurry. lot of work for you to to draw out those bounds, and uh, I'm sure that's maybe the fifth to a tenth thing you thought of when you started this endeavor, and it's it's going to be something that haunts you throughout. I'm sure. I'm sure he can be like, uh, like once you get a certain feel for something that's written, it's like okay, I can I can see where this is going. You can. It, 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 that that seems like it would be the case for me anyway. Archive.org has been an amazing resource. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with that, but I don't know what the legalities are, but you can find a lot of um, old books on there and you can sign them out or uh, check them out for an hour and you can flip through the pages and see for yourself. And that's been a huge help for me, not only to figure out information like page count and ISBN and all that stuff that's generally not published uh, elsewhere, but it's also just to see the content. And it's it's funny to me, like already, uh, like the, the the categories that you already have up. Of course, art and reference books, you expect that. There's an audio book section, which is extremely helpful uh, for folks like me who just doesn't uh, don't have time to flip through pages uh, anymore. Biographies, children's books, you would expect comics, graphic novels, nonfiction, novelizations. But one part that catches my eye: cookbooks video game cookbooks and that's not a thing i knew existed until your website came around and i'm surprised to see that um there are more than four so this is actually this has been (laughs) this is great to flip there's a there's a toe jam and earl cookbook i mean who would have thought there's a hearth uh, hearthstone cook a street fighter cookbook these are i want to have all of these this is like my new collection i want to have all of these cookbooks Probably the only cookbook to have the word toe jam in the title. <laughs> jam, maybe, Jesus. but toe jam, n- n- this was a first, for sure. Yeah, th- th- that was a Kickstarter. It hasn't uh, released yet, um, but <laughs> the uh, the writer, the author is part of the Discord, and uh, wow. they, they've done a few others as well. They've done the Legends Cookbook, which is based on the Legend of Zelda, and they've done Mother's Cookbook, which is based on the Mother series or, or Earthbound. Nice. Outside of that, it's it's really Chelsea and Victoria um, who do the majority of the other cookbooks. Uh, uh, Victoria Rosenthal, Chelsea Monroe Cassell. They get the licenses for not only Game of Thrones and Star Wars, but also a lot of these uh, video game uh, IPs, mm-hmm. and they, they publish them through Insight Books. So um, just through two or three authors, that makes up the 15 or 20 books, whatever is in there. I, don't know, yeah. I just I just think that's so neat, and I mean I'm they, this probably wasn't a, a secret to you. I'm sure you were uh, savvy to th- there being a cookbook genre, but have you been surprised to see that some books that you've come across really do exist? Like, do you have any that stand out to you? Where you're like, dang, I didn't I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, there's books out there like Jesus for the Win, which is like a retelling of the Bible if it was like a video game quest. <laughs> um, which, like, to me is, is is very strange. There's, um, you guys mentioned it in a previous episode, like Confessions of a Game Doctor, like these autobiographies mm-hmm. of of individuals who I, I wasn't super familiar with outside of their gaming life, and I really like reading about reading about those. Um, Game Changer is another one about uh, the guy who plays Franklin in, in Grand Theft Auto Five, and his life. He was just, you know, he, he was from the streets. He really didn't have a path to success and somehow through uh you know luck and perseverance he he made it into the rock star realm and and 
was able to voice one of the biggest characters in, in video gaming. So he wrote a book and he narrates the audiobook as well. That one's really cool. There's oh, that just a, came out a this year. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, last two I'm months ago, maybe. Follow along as you speak. Uh, I have a shopping cart full of books now, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there's some really cool like there's a, a book called uh, Luna Nomicon, which is a, a Spanish book about hundred and fifty one of the weirdest titles ever released but there's one title in there that they've they've put that doesn't exist it's just one that they made up and so you mm-hmm. kind of have to guess as you go through like which which one is, uh, is the most outrageous so there's uh, there's those sorts of books as well but yeah, i think is, the biggest surprise has been game studies um and, and one for you Trav. There there's a, a book and i don't know if it's on the site yet um about it's a, a compilation of essays from prominent authors uh, or, or comedians rather, who um, who do a game study on how their experiences with video games have translated to improv and stand-up comedy, oh, and wow. how yeah their their upbringing in, in video games sort of led to them becoming you know prominent comedians or um, you know professional yeah. uh, improv uh, students. I would be interested uh, to know what that is. Yeah, I'll find it for you. I'll send it to you. This shopping cart. Well, Robin Williams. Nice. Robin Williams named his daughter Zelda. That's right. And he was a huge proponent of yeah. the original Legend of Zelda. That's right. Hey, uh, but Dean, I wanted to know, like, okay, so you've mentioned uh, Masters of Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to guess that you you recommend people read that book do you have any other like strong recommendations that you've read over the years like for like maybe for like the history of video games or maybe just in general yeah i mean history of video games is a really pretentious place um because everybody's poking (laughs) holes in in things and and some things just aren't known at the time of publication the best one i've read or if you're just looking for like an authentic telling of the, the full history of games, including home computers and uh, really a global lens. Uh, I would suggest Replay from Tristan Donovan. Totally agree. I read that a few years ago and I learned a ton about overseas gaming and yeah. like the gaming scenes uh, specific to countries, like the Spanish gaming scene, the French gaming scene. That was super cool. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, he. I mean, there's a lot of uh, gaming history that just sort of focus on on North America, but um, obviously the you know games evolved outside of the the boundaries there. Yeah. So, um, in terms of like more um, narrative style uh, retellings, um, I, I really enjoy Kushner's work. So we mentioned Masters of Doom, Jacked, uh, uh, Outlaw Story of Grand Theft Auto, which sort of tells you about the upbringing of. Um, of the Hauser brothers and DMA design. And then ultimately rockstar and hot coffee takes you all the way to like grand theft auto four. Those ones are really good. They're both audiobooks. Uh, David L. Craddock. Um, he writes some really, really good books as well. Uh, a lot of, uh, rogue, uh, and, and like dungeon hack books, but also, uh, a trilogy called stay a while and listen Two have been released so far. And it's about David Brevik and, uh, you know, his joining of Blizzard and creating Diablo and the uh, story uh, behind Diablo and Diablo 2. Um, really, really, really well done. Uh, and a really great audiobook to to listen to. And then all the memoirs. 
like you mentioned, uh, Reggie Fizemi's new one, um, Disrupting the Game. But there's also Ask Iwata, just Satoru Iwata's, you know, mm-hmm. post-Hermis uh, release, which was which was really good. Uh, Life in a Game, which was uh, Mevlut Dane. He's from, um, uh, what is it, Vivid Image, uh, like um, Last Ninja, First Samurai, a, a Turkish developer who essentially, like, introduced Turkey to the... Um, the video game industry. That's a really good uh, memoir. Sid Meier, he just released one as well. Yeah, great. That, those That's a lot of recommendations, and I'm actually pretty proud that I've read a few of those. I kind of like you, Dean. I think I, I wasn't a, a big reader until a little later in life, and so uh, now I'm just playing catch-up, so I'm always impressed to hear that I've actually read books that people like, so that's that's good news. And, uh, can I just say that uh, 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 what's the opposite of a shout-out? Can I say like a thumbs-down to public schooling for telling us that reading is bad? <laughs> uh, not that reading is bad, but that reading is work. Like... I, I didn't realize until way after school that reading could be fun. It's like, oh, I, I get to read, like, stuff I'm actually interested in. And I get to read about, you know, like, read for fun and read read stuff I actually care about instead of stupid-ass Ethan Frome and his pickled <laughs> dish or whatever the hell. It's, like, freaking miserable experience reading some of these awful English English clash English I can't I'm mush mouthed English (laughs) class novels like that and like Scarlet Letter and all this other crap so I I really think there's like an arc to a lot of folks like us that uh, it's like oh we're like I, I was like 25 26 years old when I was like oh yeah reading can be actually useful turns out who knew I didn't know that and that's sort of what I was like during COVID. That's when I really realized yeah. that there's there's a ton of stuff that's just not online from books. I was I was sort of in my own naivety thinking everything in books has made it online <laughs> somehow. Whether it's it's the way it's packaged into you know a nice set of pages or, or whatever. Um, you know the internet's more about sort of bite sized morsels here and there that you have to piece together yourself. Yeah, but. You know, reading um, Life as a Game, this this Turkish guy, I couldn't find much online about him at all. And yet there's a whole book that he wrote. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a lot that's in books. There's a lot of information in there that that is still unique to the art of reading. So I, I definitely recommend picking up a book and just seeing for yourself because that's what it took for me to realize that. Right on. No better place to find your next read than on the video game library.org. Bringing in the segues. Uh, <laughs> Dean, I, I think we'll quit peppering you with questions about this and ask you a bit more about that big old memorabilia collection that you have because that thing's pretty impressive. And so you said you've slacked off a bit, but I'm sure it still stands with pride there in the old homestead. So uh, how would you describe what you what you have in terms of figures and memorabilia when it comes to video game stuff? A lot. It was, <laughs> you know, it, it, I started around 2010 um, and I just went hard for a few years. Um, everything from lunch boxes and Kleenex packages to, you know, statues and McDonald's toys. 
so I, I collected the full gamut. I tried to get you know a little bit from all of my favorite games. If there was um, you know if there was a game with only one piece of memorabilia that's been officially released, that's the sort of stuff I would target. And uh, it was it was great for a while, but I think the landscape has changed a little bit, uh, and we've seen it with some of the major manufacturers, whether it's first four figures or gaming heads or you know they they release a figure and then they release an alternate coloration of that figure and then they release a gold-plated version of that figure and then they release an led version of that figure and they're all you know four or five digits each it, it becomes just unmanageable with with my financial situation so it, it's not stuff i want to spend money on um so it, it's a little discouraging because there was a time where you could look at a release window or a release week and see everything that was coming out and pick 90% of it and, and it would be affordable. So nowadays I can look at any given day and there's 20 things coming out and they're all out of my price range. Mm. So I had to back off of that quite a bit. Now that the nice thing is, you know, everything's appreciated. There's, there's not a statue in my collection that is worth less than when I bought it. Um, there is still a market for it. I think there will always be a market for certain games and uh, franchises, but it's it's not something I'm I'm actively pursuing right now. I'm, I'm more games and books, and I'm also running out of space. So it's uh, I talked to you, and, and actually, it's funny. That's how I first talked to Alex was on this uh, collect call side project that I did with Polykill, and uh, you had a video. Uh, from around there, a series of videos from around that time showing off the house that you lived in then, and your the collection that you had amassed, and you had it. I, I don't want to use the word crammed, but you had it very neatly uh, presented, although in very tight quarters. And I, th- <laughs> it, it blew me away. I, it's it's still one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And not not to tout on it you too hard here and put you on the spot, but and I there, there there's probably no one out there accounting unless it's Guinness but didn't you have like maybe one of the bigger collections of video game memorabilia in like North America in Canada and again there's no way to tell there's you know mm-hmm. closet nerds that I'm sure have bigger collections than I do but there was a pretty prominent community online the video game memorabilia museum who sort of absorbed or collected all of us hardcore memorabilia collectors so amongst those i had one of the largest collections in canada i say one of because how do you count right right you get an action figure with two action figures in it and some accessories like is that one piece because it was one blister pack is it two figures what about dual packs like it's just not a great way to apply metrics so one of the largest collections in canada within that community and I don't know if that's that's changed, but I've certainly slowed down on my side. Gotcha. Well, it's, it's always going to stick with me. And, of course, uh, we'd be remiss if I, we didn't shout out the Cartridge Club, which is, of course, how I met you. And um, maybe you can give an update on Cartridge Club goings-ons these days. Yeah, so the Cartridge Club is, for anybody who doesn't know, like a Game of the Month club. It's been going for coming up on 10 years now. Dang. Which is su- super exciting. Um, we're, I think, on episode 104, so 104 months. Um, it's It's been great. There's a, a great revolving community, but what I like most is just seeing people coming back from 
you know, people that I haven't talked to since season one in, in 2013. Yeah. Um, it, it's an easy community to step away from and come back to because the content is always changing. You know, there's always a different game of the month. There's always a different genre that we're trying to tackle. And uh, it's it's been really great to stay in touch with so many people and meet so many people. This month we're doing Sewer Shark, which ah, you would think CD? is like Sega CD or or 3DO, whatever, whatever you have. Very common systems that everyone owns. Good good thing. Exactly. Well, so <laughs> w- when we have um, our every December we do an extra life uh, fundraiser for for sick kids, um, and every year uh, a winner. Uh, is drawn out of a hat and they get to pick the game of the month uh, for for me. And this is what they picked. And I think had we done this in season one or season two, it would have just been silent. But I think because we've sort of accumulated, you know, the collective interest of 10 years worth of players, there's enough of a, a backlog of players that are popping out of the woodwork saying, hey, shit, I, I like that game. Uh, yeah. So they're starting to come back and, you know, they have Sega CDs or whatever That's and they're cool. playing along so it's it's cool that you know no matter how niche last month we played twilight princess which you know was on three different consoles so um yeah there's there's a lot more accessibility in that sense but yeah, it's nice to see people come out when even these rare more inaccessible games pop up yeah it's a I, it's a great community obviously one that i can vouch for i've met a lot of really close lifelong friends with the Cartridge Club, and without the Cartridge Club, I don't think Polykill continues. I probably don't get to hang out with Alex and do Drunk Friends, and et cetera, et cetera. So big, big shout to the Cartridge Club. Everyone should go check that out. Uh, but only check that out after you check out the videogamelibrary.org and get some books on your radar. Get that wish list full. And with that, I think we're about wrapped up. Alex, any closers? Go to this website and browse around and enjoy it because it's super cool. It's super cool just to see the uh, artwork for each, oh gosh, like like yes. you said, Trav. Yeah, does just the the covers on all these is 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 really fun. Um, so yeah, I, I will say that the polymedia community, like the, the the community that you guys have fostered, is a pretty global one, and it's been awesome to get the support from. Uh, people like VAR in Germany um, who who have been, you know, instrumental in just introducing me to different publishers and publications out there, and it's it's just Shout been awesome. Shout out to that so guy, yeah. you guys. Well, every everybody in 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 the, the Polymedia Discord has just been uh, amazing at at sharing and and just recommending things to me. Um, couldn't have done it without them. So this has been really cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem, man. Anything that we can do to help you, please let us know. Most we can do right now, though, is just shout it as loud as we can and hope people go check it out. So, folks, please do that. Dean, thanks for hanging out with us, man. I know you're a busy guy. you got to go probably upload, what, 250, 300 books tonight. So we'll let you get back to it. But <laughs> thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, everyone, that has been another Drunk Friend Podcast. You can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We'll respond or read it here eventually. You know us. You can also pop over to polymedianetwork.com. We have other shows and other podcasts there, Tales of the Lesser Medium, Polykill, Petey's Power Hour, Indie Quest, and maybe one day more. Oh, a tease. Maybe. Huh? Well... 
If you're not interested in sending an email, that's not a big deal. Just give us a rating and a review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out big time. Hey, guess what? You could rate on Spotify right now. What are you doing with your life? Why are you stopping to listen to us? Go on Spotify and just rate the hell out of all the things you're listening to, for God's sake. For God's sake. Please do that. And then you can find us all on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Traff Plays Games. Alex is, of course, at Snestrunk. You can follow the video game library at the VG Library. And you can follow Dean himself at round underscore the number two underscore gaming. And as always, the music you heard in the beginning and you can hear right now was composed by our friend Kulor. The track you hear is called Electric Star Bounce. You can hear, you can find a uh, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And of course, a shout out to Josh Leslie for more. You fucked that up. You fucked up me. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) For our for our thirst quenching logo. Fuck. Harder, harder than a dinosaur's pelvis. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. All right, we hope you have a great rest of your day, except for Josh Leslie's pelvis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck.